Hello, and welcome to the Comedian's Paradise. This is the podcast where we speak to adventurous mavericks, Indiana Jones of the comedy world. Now, this will inspire us to chase laughs on our own terms. Now, today's guest is the epitome of being a man who is an expert in many different fields. If do you know Tony Stark, guys, this is the guy who's a Tony Stark of comedy. He's an expert in being a DJ. He's an expert in being a magician. He's an expert in being a comedian. He is a man who's an expert in being a comedy promoter. Please welcome the brilliant Stuart Turner. Hi, Mark. That was quite an intro. <laughs> How could you follow that? Being described as a, a maverick, Tony Stark, and an expert. I'm only going to let you down, man, Mark. Thank you. That, that was quite an intro. Nice to, nice to be on the podcast. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and yeah, it's a pleasure to have you here, man. It's, it's, it's all the, you're coming all the way from Sunbury, and I'm all the way in Wimbledon. <laughs> <laughs> Sunbury on Thames. Forget your Australian guests. We're here at Sunbury. We're staying local for this okay. one. <laughs> yeah, that's right, guys. <laughs> now, You've had quite an elaborate and exciting journey to comedy because you had a, you had a, you, I believe that you were part of a double act a while ago. You're part of the, you're in the part of the magic circle and you were dubbed a certain nickname. <laughs> I can't know what that nickname was. I was years ago, I was part of a, a comedy double act, comedy illusion double act called Magic Incorporated. Don't try and Google this, it was that long ago, it was pre-Google. So we were a comedy double act many, many years ago. Started with a, a my best friend at school, we started doing a double act with back in the days, two male double acts was quite a, a rare thing in terms of, it wasn't a straight man, funny man, it, it was kind of mixture. So we're a double act, uh, we did theater shows, we did a bit of TV, we did it, we appeared on Des O'Connor's talent show, no less. Um, but we joined very early on. We joined an amateur variety club, which really helped kind of form the stagecraft. People from 15 up to retired age, we go around doing shows, theatre shows, charity shows, and that really helped back in those double days, forming kind of some great stagecraft. And then had a break, Marv. Had a break. We did it for did it for I don't know 10, 12 years. Almost went full time pro. Did various big theatre stuff, and then it kind of wound down. That's it. Stopped. Set up my day job now, which, as you know, is event and media production company. Set that up, and then go back into it. So, what a bizarre, what bizarre kind of a turn of events. What was it? What was it that sort of brought you back into it? So, comedy was a bit like an ex, wasn't it? Like a, like a woman that you dated and you enjoyed before. Exactly and that. Left exactly it, that. Yep. And then it, then it, then it sort of, I don't know. You went to dinner with comedy at one point, and it brought you back. Pretty much, Marv, you've, you've bang on, you've read my autobiography, Marv, you've read it pretty much bang on, yeah, it was odd. We had a kind of tenure break setting up the, the day job, that was, we were doing corporate work, video work, event work, and then kind of, we did nothing at all, or well, nothing at all for 10 years, and then I was going out socially, and I was kind of noticing a comeback, you were seeing magic acts, comedy acts, variety acts, I was going to burlesque nights in, in Soho and seeing magicians, comedy jugglers, and I thought, mm, I'm missing it after a 10 year break, I thought, mm. and actually, I got, I hate to say it, I was, I was sort of, few shows where I thought we were doing stuff better than this 10 years ago. I thought, let's give it another go. So I thought, let's try it. So after a 10 year break, got back into it. Very different though, solo acts. So back in the in double act days, it was two of us. We had a trailer full of illusions and production and sound lighting. That was big stuff. And now all of a sudden it's me on my own with a bag of props going to open mic nights doing five minutes. So a complete change from the old days to trying to almost starting fresh, coming into it brand new, no idea what I was doing, into comedy. And it was quite a, yeah, come back to it after. After quite a break, 
how was it sort of gigging before when you were trying to develop material and develop ideas to how it is now? Because I know there's a lot more gigs now. There's a lot more people in comedy. Yes, yeah, it's, it's certainly it's more exactly there's more to it now. Back back, Pete saying back in the old days. Back then, it was kind of we had a, a good friend of ours who helped kind of write and direct. He kind of wrote material with us, and our that was very much varieties so rather than comedy clubs. We were doing theatres and 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 holiday camps and cabaret stuff. So it was very kind of cabaret orientated, and we would just take routines and adapt them, make them funny, and kind of put a comedy twist on it. Whereas now it is more comedy stuff. So a lot of things. We did back then i couldn't do now and now doing the comedy circuit well as well as cabaret it's kind of stuff doesn't necessarily work just trying to adapt it and make it make it funnier you know it still works but you've got to be careful some clubs don't go for the cabaret stuff so it's putting a, a twist on it but now there's so many venues out there so many venues everyone's everyone's trying it so it's kind of back then it was a bit niche it was kind of seen as more specializing whereas now with youtube and all the show channel everyone's doing everyone's funny everyone's funny now so there's a lot of people doing it and it's kind of you're finding now it's also a social thing, whereas there are obviously acts who are doing it to make a career and be big and famous, make money. A lot of people are doing it for fun. It's, it's a night out, meet with friends, have a social, bit of comedy. It's very different to how it was back in, back in double act days. Hmm. Yeah, but it's, it's, it does, it, comedy is a, yeah, it, it's, it's definitely changed. Did you, did, has it also, also changed, do you feel, after COVID as well? It, initially it was, yeah, and there was obviously a, a slight delay. I mean, everything grounds a whole, obviously. I mean, the people tried online stuff, which some some worked, some didn't. The car park stuff, again, people had to, had to make it work, but it was kind of sitting in a car, flashing your lights at people. But now I think it's almost back to normal. People are out again enjoying themselves. Nice that I run are certainly picking up. So I think people are being a bit more cautious, but certainly people are, want to get out after two years of being shut away. They want to go out and, and socialise again. So there's some that are kind of happy not to. I think most people want to get out there and enjoy themselves and, and be, be social as they were before. Hmm. Yeah, it is, is. It's in some respects, it's been a, it's been people are happy to be out and they come back in. And in some respects, it's yeah, it's been a bit difficult. I mean, one thing that I found quite interesting is I did people were saying, oh, don't put comedy on during the World Cup or when the football's on. But I know I thought I'd take a bit of a risk and say, you know, I thought not everyone likes football. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Yeah, that's my, my feeling too, yeah. A lot of people do, but a lot, but plenty don't. So I thought I'd put some acts in anyway, and I, did, I didn't really notice too much of a difference than it being a regular night. I kind of found the same. I avoided the Big England games, but generally, yeah, I mean, even then I had a, I running a night near me on, I think, was it yeah, England game? And it was still kind of pretty much, pretty much sold out. So yes, I mean, football was a big thing, but there's still plenty of people who want a night out, not not fans. So I think yeah, you, you might avoid a World Cup final, but generally I, I kind of found I found my kind of nights work during during the games. Yeah, it's, it's, would you say there's quite a lot of things that sometimes go on entertainment on comedy? There's quite a lot of what's it called? Um, people think people that assume is truth and they go along with it, but they don't want to challenge whether it's true or not. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally that, yeah. Two things ingrained. People want to think, oh, I'm not going to change that. But yeah, you've got to, got, got to change things. And I think people are up for that, definitely. And how has that sort of shaped your life? Because you, you, you're, I mean, you've, you've become quite skilled at many different areas. Like obviously, event management, production, but also you're a magician. And then, like, being a comedy promoter as well. I mean, how do they sort of all coincide with each other? Do they, in some ways, help each other? So I've sometimes found that 
working in different injuries, there's little things that I've picked up from different ones that have helped in other areas. Totally, totally, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Because my day job, say running events, that certainly helped with it. Before that, I was a um, freelance technician, AV technician. So I go around doing conferences, doing sound lighting. And that's, that's taught me so much over the years. So for the comedy, definitely the day job being event production has helped. I'll make sure it helps having knowledge of sound and lighting. There are not a lot of nights you go to. People haven't thought about that. There's little touches. So the, the, the technical side has helped with comedy, make sure it looks good, it sounds good, the whole night works. Then with the performing, doing a magic and comedy, that's helped with my, my speed quizzing. I'm speed quizzing to make sure I can make them entertaining rather than being just another boring quiz. They can be entertaining and fun. Um, and the day job also over the years worked with some quite high-end corporate clients, um, people like Disney. So having done that kind of stuff to a high level, it makes you kind of do other stuff to a high level. So it makes you think about little things, make sure nights run properly and, and yeah, little things. Certainly costs over. Um, definitely the day job, definitely the kind of the, the corporate stuff has helped and come across into the entertainment side without a doubt. How important would you say getting the little things right is important in things being successful? Because I think that's often the thing that a lot of us miss out on. I think it's very important. A lot of people, and I kind of, it, it is true. A lot of people say you don't need, you don't need this, that. As long as you can tell jokes, you're funny. That's fine to a degree. Yes, you don't need to have all the bells and whistles. But I think it certainly helps the night as a whole. Um, I think a dark example is if you have two, two, let's say two comedy nights where the acts are identical, both funny, both great. But if one looks better, sounds better, better atmosphere, of course you pick that one. So I think as a whole, people don't notice, but if you've got, if the, the stage is lit nicely, if there's a person on the door greeting you nicely with a smile and that kind of stuff, if when you walk in, you've got music playing, set the atmosphere, little things you, could, you can't single out, but together make the night more successful, make it feel like a more, more theatrical experience, make it more enjoyable, I feel. It's, is, do you, when you, because you have such an expert background in different things, when you go to a lot of comedy clubs, what are things that are sort of your pet peeves and you're like, listen here, Sonny Jim, what the fuck's going on here? I, that's always it. People always moan at me. People laugh at me. Like, it's technical. Matter nights I go to as a performer and they, the technical's not there. I know it's difficult because it's, it, I've got background here, but if you don't know it, you don't know it. But it's little things. You've got to hear people. You've got to see people. I did a charity gig years ago. It was down in somewhere in Kent. They'd hired a big guy was a promoter down there, not a one-off. He was a regular promoter, did comedy nights in the area. He hired a big function suite, massive hotel, huge room, had a nice little stage put in, nice backdrop, DJ playing music and doing the sound system. He had no lighting. This guy's a promoter. He's got a big hotel conference room, audience about 200 people, and there are no lights. And I walk in thinking, okay, there's no lights. You, how can you see us? And the first first rule is you've got to be seen, you've got to be heard. So how on earth can you enjoy a night when you can't be seen? I said to him, any lighting? Oh, no, no, I thought that. But luckily, with my, my tech head on, I see a mirror ball in the ceiling. There's two pin spots at the mirror ball. So I bog, grab a chair from the audience, point the pin spots down, and just about makes the lighting on stage. But to me, that was a mind, mind blower. How could you not think you've got, you've got to see acts on stage? So the biggest thing for me is technical. Go to a venue, and if you can't hear people, if the mic's whining, if you can't see them, I just sit there, and it makes, <laughs> it makes me so cry. Get a, get a tech light. Even, base, even something simple. It can be a single spotlight, bit of music, but all the basics. Just try and get some tech going. That's what annoys, annoys me the most. There was a bit of a buzz there, wasn't there? Let's have a look. Do you want to try it again or? Um, no, that's fine. I think there's, there's, a, there's a couple of audio edit things that can get rid of the background noise. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll let you take that. But yeah, that, that, so does that happen often, would you say, where you're like, 
Well, it's more, that's more as a big show. That's what I, mean, I understand with the small gigs where it's a backroom pub hall. Yeah, fine. Get a little guitar amp, one microphone. I did a, did a gig years ago again, had a, had a desk lamp. So it was a small pub room, a little shelf on the wall. He had Nike a desk light as a spotlight. Fine, it does a job. But this was a enormous because it was a big, it was a big, he was charging a lot for the tickets. It was a massive function room. And I just, I just couldn't understand how Motor, who runs, who runs nights, didn't think the acts had to be seen. So, that was, <laughs> so the, the big ones, yeah, get it right. When people are paying a lot of money, the small gigs, you kind of understand, but it's still not difficult. And surely acts go to other shows and see things. Surely you must, you must appreciate that you can hear them, you can see them. Therefore, I should be at my, at my show. And what, so as your man of all these different areas, do, do they help you as a performer when you're on stage, when you're like doing a comedy gig? Oh, good question. Um, I think, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, you say that, it's, a, it's daffing, but you're taught again in the kind of, in the am jam in the theater days, you talk about lighting and sound and make sure you can be seen. So a lot of times you'll go to a venue, there's one great pub in, in London that does a magic open mic night and they got certain lighting in the room, they can't move it, except for the band, you can't change it for comedy and they only hit certain spots. So a lot of acts will walk up, get on stage, hit the center in, in, in darkness. But as a tech tech, you know to kind of find the light, which sounds silly, but people don't think of that. So you get up there, you, you, you get an eye on a spotlight, you walk into it, see so it lit. So it's making sure people can, again, be seen, be heard. So having a tech background, you kind of think, okay, if that microphone is whining over there, you've got a, amount of times I've done, I've gone on, on an open mic night with the microphone on, hear a bit of feedback, you nip off, turn the volume down a bit, which again, people wouldn't, people scared of mixers. It's kind of knowing the basics. You can adjust the sound, adjust the lighting, make sure you lit. And it's, yeah, it certainly helps having a tech background. It makes you kind of, well, better as a form, it makes you come across better, I would say. And does it help you when you're prepping for your act before you go on stage, like getting yourself in a right mindset, getting yourself like all the gear in order? I think so, yeah, it's, it's prep. You learn, you learn kind of, yeah, <laughs> you learn to get the double check stuff. Being a prop act, obviously, being a you're straight stand up. There's no props. It's just a microphone and your jokes. But being a being a special act, having props thing, yeah, you got to you got to prep, prepare. So you got to make sure you're not sure when you get to venues for the first time. You're not sure what they got there, what PA they got there. So you got to make sure you got all the all the prep done. You take this, that, gather. Make sure you kind of can cover for the for the worst case scenarios. That certainly, it definitely helps having that kind of mixed background. Certainly helps prepare you better for those kind of gigs. It's and comedy is a world filled with a lot of diverse acts. I mean, you've got Ada Camp, who's a variety act burlesque all everything all in one um but one of the things it's sometimes have come i feel there's a bit of tribalism there's a lot of like i mean london the london circuit right now is known for a lot of cliques but one of the things that happens is a lot of comics say oh if you're not a wordsmith if you're not saying doing comedy a certain way and they say that that's not really <laughs> comedy but you yeah. You've done lots of different industries of magic, DJing, event promotion. Do you get that across all other sort of industries? You get set, they have not, their own way of thinking and they don't like it when someone's not against that. Yeah, I think to a degree, yeah. In, in the, uh, doing DJing, you certainly get DJs, old school, new school. You get a lot of the, um, I'm in various Facebook groups for all sorts of things. And in DJing, certainly you get the um, newer DJs coming in saying, I need help, what should I play? And the old DJs saying, you shouldn't be DJing if you don't know what to do. I've been doing this 30, 40 years, get your act together. So certainly you do find a lot of the older guys aren't welcoming the newer guy, which is a bit unfair. Everyone's got to start somewhere. But some people are very supportive, but some of the older guys have been doing it since the days of vinyl and stuff, kind of very protective and kind of, this is how we do it. And you can't come in here and, and try and ask for help. So yeah, DJs can be a bit bitchy, 
magicians, yeah, there's kind of two camps. You get those that are very supportive and friendly, help each other, and you get a few likewise that kind of, I've been doing this for 25, 30 years, and I know what I'm doing, and they kind of can be a bit kind of cliquey, and yeah, certainly standoff off magicians are a funny bunch. And uh, yeah, <laughs> a lot of magicians are, are quite socially awkward, shall we say, without being too harsh, but yeah, magicians are, are certainly a, a weird bunch. <laughs> not, not the comics are, but magicians are definitely a, a, an odd, odd crowd, shall we say. Yeah, well, a professional magician uh, who I was, was studying Golia with told me that, like, to get really good at it, you just spend all your time in a room practicing the tricks again and again. Yeah, definitely. If you if you do slight hand, definitely. I mean, there are people who do going. Yeah, there's a card magician on Facebook who's well known. He'll do six hours a day for kind of twenty years. Those guys are really good, which is fine. You know, certainly that's slight hand. That's not my style, but the slight hand guys are amazing. They'll spend hours and hours and hours learning the slights and the kind of card tricks and that. And it's certainly, yeah, you've been locked away in your room for, for years and years. And they're, they're amazing for it. Um, but it's a lot of discipline and, and hard work to be, be really good. Hmm. And a lot of people expect like someone like Jerry Sadowitz to be a real beast off stage, But he, in off stage, I found him to be quite, like, he's very, not, not intimidating at all, but on stage he is. Yeah, people say that he's actually, his he's act is very, very harsh and he's kind of <laughs> totally non BC. But yeah, I thought he's one nice guy. He helps out a manager shop in London. He kind of helps serve in a shop in, in Clarkham Road. He's a lovely guy off stage. But again, one of the finest car guys in the world. He makes it all look easy, yeah. but he's definitely one of the most accomplished magicians in terms of car slides. He's well respected in all magic circles. He's an amazing, amazing magician. It's the funny thing about him, isn't it? People know him as being like a controversial comedian, but they're not aware that he's actually one of the best magicians out there. Totally, yeah. He's, he's, his card work is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. He's absolutely one of the amazing guy. It's and the same with Tommy Cooper, isn't it? As well, he was a really top magician, but people don't really give that as much credit. Yeah, it, it kind of it's, it's quite it's a bit like, like Les Dawson playing piano. You got it. It's quite hard to make make looking bad look good. So again, Tommy was actually quite good, but his act was making it look bad, and it's kind of to make it come across that way. He actually quite it's quite a skill. It, what's the, is there, do, you, do you know any insider truth in that? Because I hear some people say that he found it by accident, but some people say that it was very deliberate and planned from the start. I'm not sort of planned. I, I think I mean, there are stories about he kind of in his early days, he was mistakes were made. He was getting last minute, so he kind of like, this is working. I'll stick with that. So I'm not sure it's planned from the start. I think I think he was accomplished, and I think things, a couple things went wrong, and he was getting big last minute. And he kind of thought, ah, there's a, there's some material here. And I think it became a thing. I'm sure it wasn't planned from from day one. And that's, that's the thing with the flop, from what I understand of it, that you get taught in clown school or with Goliath. A lot of people misunderstand, like when you make mistakes, is that it's all premeditated, you get prepped. A lot of the times when I've done stuff that's been not planned, you've had an idea, but it's gone completely the other way. And that's how it often works. And the bit to recreate that, it's not as simply as just doing it again and again, because it's wooden. So one of the things that I do sometimes with, you know, the swallowing the balloon trick? Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I do with that to make that go wrong is I will put in the bag some ones that, that will work and some that won't. But <laughs> I'll never know when it's going to work or when it isn't. So that when I do the trick, it's yep. always going to come across as natural. Interesting. Yeah, no, a lot, a lot of going with, well, which is and comics, if something, something unplanned gets a laugh, you try and make it work next time, which you say kind of wouldn't. But I think if you're a good, good actor, which I'm not, if you're a good actor, if something you do gets a historical laugh, then you'll try and work it in in future. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure I want to think of not knowing. I, I want to only guarantee it's going to get a laugh or guarantee it's going to work. But certainly there's things I've done that kind of you won't expect to get a laugh. Oh, that was that was good. You try and steer, steer it to happen again. Make sure you get that laugh next time. But the, the way to 
we try and recreate it. It's not like just set in stone like you're following a script, but we try and give a bit of leeway for it. So it feels, when we're performing, it doesn't feel like we're doing it from a script and it feels a bit more natural. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I find sometimes when I'm seeing, I mean, the top comics are incredible performers. Like the very shot, like Lenny Sherman, Jeff Innocent, they, they can do anything. But when I'm seeing those that aren't quite there yet, some of them yeah. are very much wordsmiths, just falling off the paper. And yes. if something doesn't go the way they want, that's it, they're done. If they yeah. don't get everything the way they want it set, yeah. Yeah. their act is finished. Yeah, a lot of the new acts are kind of, they're set on there, they've got their 510, which they stick to word by word. Whereas a seasoned pro is a couple of, um, Paul Thorne, Paul Thorne, comedy store, Paul's amazing. You'll see Paul work a room and he's got a bank of material up there. And if it doesn't work one way, he'll twist it in angle and go a different direction. And the experienced comedy has got so much material up, up there. They can learn to, and same as a good MC. MC's got bank of material. He'll do some crowd work. If, some, if someone says something particularly he's got material about, he'll segue into it beautifully. So I think the more you do, the more experience you are, the more material you got, you can make that, adapt it, depending on the crowd. Whereas new acts, obviously got less material and less confident. You say that they're set in stone, then they must do their 10 exactly as it is, and they can't be off it, they can't adjust it. And like that just comes, I think, comes with time and experience. And just dealing with a lot of gigs not going the way you want. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, but one thing that I'd like to ask you on is like, what, how, what, what food would you think best describes the comedy journey? What question is that? What food? Oh, crikey. Um, <laughs> bizarre question. What food best comedy journey? Surely it's something, surely it's something messy, like a, what's kind of, what's a messy food? Like, I guess a ribs or a taco. You look, you look at it, it looks a complete mess. How am I going to cope with that? Eating it is a mess. Once you've got it in yet and you're enjoying it, it is absolutely fantastic. How's that? Messy food, messy food. Looks, looks like complete, complete riot, complete chaos. Once, once you, in it once you're kind of getting down it then all, all becomes fine <laughs> how's that an answer that's very good <laughs> and speaking of like comedy and all that a lot of the times if someone finds out that you're a comedian performer in a regular chat they treat you differently and they 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 identify your your performing as who you are but i don't think that really defines anyone i think like so i want to ask you in this question like, mm. who are you outside of comedy? Oh. Well, the question, I think I'm me. I mean, I'm kind of, I'm not a character. I think my, my stage persona is kind of me exaggerated. I'm a terrible actor. Um, there's a few things I do in my act that kind of require acting skills. But I think I'm just me exaggerated. I've got a person, a very good friend, who kind of helps write material with me and directs me. And we, we, we both know, both know I'm a shot. I couldn't do straight. I couldn't do, couldn't do acting, couldn't do kind of theatre as such. But my kind of... The staging is just me exaggerated a little bit for the comic effects. So I, I kind of come across as the hapless fool with the food on stage. But yeah, so really, I'm not. Some people are clearly characters, are clearly they're, they're massive on stage. I'm just saying, really, I'm just a generally happy, happy go lucky, happy chap off stage. I kind of ramp it up a bit as a character and play the kind of the hapless fool on stage. But I wouldn't say it's much different off stage. Hmm. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I've. Cause... People have the misconception that comics are all going to be Jack the Lads or confident on stage. But then when they chat to them off stage, they find them completely reversed. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's funny. I, I kind of, I'm not really, I hate self-motion. A lot of acts, obviously, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to push it and be, be a full-time career and successful and earn loads of money. But yeah, I, I just don't like the kind of the off 
stage motion that kind of oh, you got to do it if you want to be successful but i'm not i'm not that sounds not after being a magician and comedy form but i'm not really that outgoing so i'm not a kind of i'm not on facebook on tiktok on all the big shout outs saying come and see this come and see that which doesn't help you need to make yourself so i, I push my comedy nights over i'm as a performer yeah i'm not really that big on the kind of get online and push yourself and big up and every five minutes shout what you're doing which yeah so i guess it's a bit different i've got on stage on stage come across as quite happy night going but off stage i prefer to be tucked away in alarm night not yeah not <laughs> not kind of drawing attention myself that much yeah i i see it a bit more like off stage i feel like like there's the stage life but then there's your private life and you want to keep them away from each other yeah. So sometimes I feel a bit awkward trying to be engage with people outside of it. I think I'm I'm, I'm social, but just not particularly. I'm not where yeah. some comics are always on. Some, some acts are always they come off stage and they're always they're on it and they're gag cracking and they're attention. attention. They always want to be the funny one. I'm, I'd rather sit quietly uh, if, if at a dinner party. I'll, I'll chat and be sociable. But I'm certainly not. Yeah. Not magicians want to sh do a trick, do a trick, do a trick. Oh, I can't bother that. I'm not into doing tricks and cracking jokes off stage. So I'm happy to be just just quiet and sit away and have a. A drink and a chat and a laugh, but I'm certainly not, yeah, not coming off of being that, being that happy, happy and wacky magician off stage. I think that's worse for for magicians in comics, though. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's why I, I keep quiet about it. Show us, you're saying magician, that's it. Show us trick, show us trick. So um, I did years ago. I did close up magic. Not now. When I first started as a teenager, I started off doing kids magic, and I did close up magic. I did restaurant work stuff. But I kind of grew out of it. It's the hard work. I mean, these days the guys are amazing. Guys who do full time close up magic are oh, absolutely like. like Gary Saddleritz and the guys who work at corporate staff are absolutely amazing. But I didn't keep, keep up with it. I prefer the comedy, prefer the cabaret side, the kind of the, the visual stuff, the, the silly stuff, but the close-up magic is quite a, quite a skill, so I kind of stopped that a long time ago. Is a lot of magic sort of, because magic's been going for like thousands of years, well, not thousands of years, but hundreds of years. Mm, thousands, yeah, yeah. Is it a lot of the tricks all set in stones, or is it hundreds being added in every year? Not, well, it's no, there's a lot of classics, which people always, the linking rings, there's, there's a couple of stuff, there's a classics people learn when, you, when you're kind of first starting out, you go books, but these days, a lot of magicians out there inventing stuff, and there's a lot of tat out there, there's, there are some great things coming up, but now and again, you'll see an amazing thing being launched in the community, there's a lot of tat, a lot of magicians, a lot of people will invent stuff just to make money, it's actually not that great, so if you're new to magic, you go on websites and, you know, and try and buy tricks, you'll see pages and pages of stuff which promised XYZ, and it's all rubbish. So yeah, there's a lot around, but not much good stuff. All, all the good acts will either invent their own stuff or put a twist on it. They'll take a classic and do it a different way, which is how to get, you know, be, be different, be unique, rather than do the same old, same old stuff always been done. Try and invent your own stuff or try and find a great way of doing something. Yeah, originally. It's funny with like, if that was in comedy though, like you're doing a, if you were doing the same jokes, people would whip you to shreds, but in, in, in magic, and music and other industries, there's a lot of things that are redone again and again. Yeah, so exactly. it's funny. Yeah, you're right. In, in, in music, people play the same songs, they'll cover songs. Obviously, bands are writing new stuff, but a lot of bands will play well known songs. But yeah, in comedy, you tell someone it's a joke, of course you don't. It's not a done thing. But magic, you'll perform classics, music, you'll perform classics. But, but certainly, comedy, yeah, no, you've got original, you'll get ripped to shreds. Unless you're doing your own stuff, then totally it's very different in comedy than kind of other, other performing arts. But is it similar in terms of comedy in that they, a lot of comics will try and do the well-known treads or the, I've seen quite a few comics who imitate other comics they've seen. This oh, is yeah. not, I'm not just talking about open mics, but I'm saying some of the, oh, this is going to sound the wrong way. 
but I'm just trying to say it in like an honest observation yeah. on what some I've seen observed. The top-notch ones, they're very unique and they're very original, like Jeff Innocent, as you say, Paul Thorne. Oh, God, Jeff, yeah, yeah. Like they, there's no one like them. But those that aren't quite there, I've seen a lot of them be imitations of what I've seen before, like be trying to be like Russell Howard or Jimmy Carr or someone like yeah, that. Yeah, I saw that recently. It's shocking. It was, we did, did the rounds on YouTube. There was a, a newish act who was a Tim Vine ripoff. He was, oh, you might have seen him. Outrageous. He was as literally identical. He was doing Tim Vine jokes, but he was doing the, the mannerisms, the pausing, the looks. It was identical. It was shocking. And he, he, well, he obviously aware of it. He was copying him, but so many people were saying, what are you doing? That, that is Tim Vine. Not just a joke. That is Tim Vine's persona. Absolutely outrageous. So, I mean, I guess, I guess if you're new to it, you don't, don't know that's not a done thing, but you learn very quickly not to, to be original and not to rip off other, not, not just jokes, but mannerisms. You say other acts, you see acts and say, well, that's a bit McIntyre or that's that kind of style. And it's, I guess, so many acts out there, you've got to find your own voice. But yeah, certainly with magic, magic's kind of the same. Magic, you don't, obviously, tricks aren't unlimited, but put a twist on it that you don't do some magicians are known for doing their classic signature piece, which you don't copy. There's certain acts out there who do one routine and known for in the community as a whole. So you avoid that. You might put your own twist on it, but certainly don't rip off, don't do their, their trick their way. Certainly not the uh, not the done thing. And is it is it the same with being a DJ? I mean, what's that like? All I know about DJing is you it feels like you play around with a couple of CDs and you just sh shove it around a bit. That's just... <laughs> yeah, it's not you can't I mean that's different, different. You play music, so there's not much. I mean trying to think hey, you can rip off other DJs, but not where she would be a giant mouse head. Um, but there isn't much you can uh, <laughs> whip off, really. It's fun, your own style. But in the day, party songs, if you're doing, like, doing a party night, there's the same old songs you play. Obviously, it's finding new ways of getting in them out of them, a bit of chit-chat and that, but it's, it's very different. It's not like comedy and magic where it's clearly ripping someone off. DJing, it'd be hard to say, that's Paul Oakenfold, that's that Boy Slim, whatever, Norman Cook. So I think, yeah, DJing is not quite the same. It's just playing playing good tunes, reading a crowd, knowing what they're into. If, there are, if, there are, if it's an older birthday, you're not going to go and play some some hardcore house or some grunge but yeah it's it's you can't really copy other djs we do copy in terms of you learn learn what music works well and how to try to work crowd you don't really rip off as such it's not really a thing in the dj industry i've got a bit of i i will say in this whole interview i think i definitely asked quite a few questions that weren't planned in the list i sent you <laughs> that's fine that's fine we're going with it we're going with it <laughs> but with each of these things that you've been in what would you say you've noticed about the ones that get ahead and that you needed to be good at each one. Like with comedy, I don't know, I think obviously you got to have original persona and you got to be very, you got to be bloody determined. It's, and... it's hard work, it's, it's, it's putting, putting the hours in. I think we would chat before about the comics that are famous now, put the hours in, people know this, put the, put the hours in, in years ago. So the McIntyre's who people say you know, in the early days, he was gigging five, six nights a week. So he's out hitting the clubs, hitting the clubs. You've got to, got to what's the saying about, Come good at something, you've got to, you've got to do it for 10,000 hours. I think it's been proven wrong, but you've got to just do it over and over. You're doing that over and over again. Comedy, work rooms, work different rooms, work different crowds, you know, work open mics, do theatre, do cabaret, magic, put the hours in to do magic professionally. I've got Darren Brown. Darren Brown's a master, one of the world's you know, best magicians. He started magician years ago, probably you know, an old school magician, and found work better doing his style now. It's just kind of working at it, putting the hours in. You've got to be out gigging. You can't. Magic, you can rehearse in your bedroom, like up get a mirror, you can't beat working in front of a crowd, audience, you can't beat getting a reaction, when this goes wrong, how do you cope, when that goes wrong, what do you do to get out of that, different crowd reactions, you've got to just get out there, get out there, work it, um, same with DJing, the more you play, the more you DJ, I've been DJing 25 years now, and you see new guys 
the questions are asking. You think, oh, yeah, of course, I know it, but you wouldn't, if you knew a DJ, you wouldn't know what to play for a wedding or start show. It's the more you do it, I think the better you get. So you just feel, are you avoiding giving the secrets away? You, you want to keep, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> to be honest, it's hard, no secrets. It's hard, people don't like it. It's hard work. You can't just, unless you're very, very, who, who's famous for, there's a couple of comics who in their first year made it big, but that's, that's a minority. It's just put, putting the work in, putting the hours in. You know, I've been DJing 25 plus years. I've been doing magic for the same kind of time, years and years. Um, and got, got lucky, very, very lucky early on um, when I got back well. In the early days of, of the amateur variety club, we were doing theatres and, and big kind of shows. Then when I got back into it after my 10 year break, very lucky there, a friend of mine was running big Sunday concerts in London, big West End theatres. So he's running, um, you know, when, when West End shows have a day off, like a fancy opera have a day off, then the theatre can be hired for private hires. And he was running variety shows, family variety shows, song and dance and variety shows. He got me to MC those. I've, I've been back after a 10 year break, I've been back into it less than a year. I'm suddenly comparing big West End theatre shows. So uh, he's, he's, um, we were doing shows at Her Majesty's Theatre, Theatre Royal, Drury Lane, the Adelphi. And he's a whopper. And he's selling out because the cast is a massive cast of, of kids doing song and dancing, theatre groups doing stuff on their Miz. So a cast of 56, 70. And I remember seeing these shows. So it's hysterical. Actually, there's another question you asked about what's, what's mad. That, that is totally mad. So you'll find Saturday night, I was doing an, an open mic night in a grotty London pub in the basement of 15 people. On a Sunday, I remember seeing a show on, on Drury Lane Theatre, it's a crowd of 2000. And you get to learn, and, and that only works because of my background in double act. If I was coming to it fresh, it would have crashed and burned. Having done the double act days years ago of doing theatre stuff then and working for the crowds, it's fine. But this year, a year into doing my, my kind of solo stuff, it's amazing. West End Theatres, you've got stalls, Royal Circle, Grand Circle, Balcony, all, all sold out when you work in the room. And you see acts on, on, on Facebook saying, Oh, tonight I've got a hundred people in this in this village hall, and they come, which is fine. You know, small acts, new acts. That's that's biggest they'll get to do. So 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 lucky having that contact got me on board, and that's really helped. Having done those big big West End theatres, you can't can't beat it. Experience of working gets you to play play the big room, play the big crowd, see what works. So that's been not sorry, it's a nice question, but that's been <laughs> that's been amazing. Have you noticed any changes in the performers, like magicians, comedians, like from when you started to the now, like the styles that you often see, or the kind of oh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. I'm not sure changing what they do is how they do it. It's all everything's now social media. Like I'm sounding old now, but back in my dumbass days, there was no there was no YouTube, no Facebook. So we would do a when friend and I did a theatre show, we would hire a local art centre. And we do three nights. We do a yearly show for a couple of years. We would have a, a Friday night, Saturday night, Saturday matinee, theatre held 200 people. We'd, we'd pack it out. Just a few people, my family and friends. Nowadays, it's all jump online, do this. Now you've got to be more conscious of, of social media. You've got to push your persona, push yourself. That's certainly, I think, the performance-wise, it's kind of stayed the same. It's how you, how you sell it, market it. That's changed so much. Back then, it was traipsing around shops, putting up posters, calling, calling friends on the landline. Now it's all online. It's all... Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, get out there and push yourself. And that's, I think, been the biggest, biggest change. And we talk about what, what, what has been, this can either be in comedy, music or any of that, but what has been the most painful thing that's happened that's taught you the biggest lesson? Well, you asked that, I couldn't think of anything really. I mean, it's, it's weird. I kind of think about, I'm trying to rattle brains for something really bad. And I think it's, it's the lesson is be prepared. It's two things, be prepared 
and I made notes on this, people, <laughs> and check and double check. I couldn't think of anything really apart from what I did years ago. I was booked for a filming job up in Edinburgh to go and film up in office of, of White and Mackay, the whiskey company. And it was got there, fly up in the afternoon, do an hour's filming, back home the same night. And piece of cake, you'd think, easy job, piece of cake, grab the camera kit, get on a plane up to Edinburgh, get to the offices, unpack it. And the camera company hadn't packed a bit of kit that fixed the camera, the tripod. I was totally buggered. I'm up there, middle of nowhere in Edinburgh. Check, double check. So it sounds silly, but what I do now is you know, I've got checklists for doing this, checklists for doing that. It, it comes experience. You learn, you forget that you go into a gig and you forget your crucial audio adapter. Um, back, <laughs> back in again, back in Dublin days, we were booked at the King's Head, downstairs at King's Head, which is famous now for venue. Back then they did a, a magic night years ago. We took a big illusion down with us. Booked it, it's a great spot, walked up with a trailer, unpacked everything. We hadn't packed the bolts of the illusion. This big illusion couldn't put together without eight tiny bolts. We couldn't do the show, our big illusion. So it's literally daft things and it's, it's checking, double checking, and the old Boy Scouts motto, be prepared, Think, thinking ahead, thinking what could be there. It's a brand new venue. You've got to think, right, you've learned that the power socket is other end of the room. You can't plug in your peer system. So it's kind of trying to think, the more you do it, the more you kind of think, okay, that's happened before, that's happened before. So it's kind of, Check, double check and plan. It sounds very like boring and very silly, but just kind of trying to think of all the scenarios, be prepared and just, yeah, check, double check, triple check. <laughs> Dark stuff, but it's, it's, it's done me well in recent years. And if there's one thing you'd like to say to any performer now, and you if and talk to them as if you're talking to yourself, what would you say to them, like, apart from being prepared, like, if, if you were talking to a young musician, Stuart, he's, he's there now, and he's saying, Stuart, tell me what I should do in a performer's journey. What should I do? Well, great lesson that I, I learned. It's a great, um, he's a great act. Um, he used to be a, well, he was, he was still big now. He's, he's a DJ, he's a jockey, he's a presenter. He's the wonderful Miles Crawford. We know Miles Crawford, but he taught me a long time ago. Um, doesn't matter what size your audience, always give it your best show. A lot of acts, will rock up and they'll get to open mic night there's only four people in oh i can't be bothered with it get your best show i've done gigs miles you've rocked up and it's been a it's been a restaurant in the daytime sunlight coming in you people scatter around you think oh what, why am i doing this miles they want to show they still need a good show so no matter what the environment what the situation what the crowd is give me a great show and sometimes you go out there it can be best show ever you can have a great time no matter if there's only four people in they want a great show Edinburgh fringe and brighton fringe great example you walk up there's lovely room you've got two people and people say, I'm going to be a booker. But it's, yeah, of course. But it doesn't matter who's in, what it's like, always be your best. You, you know, you, they, deserve, they deserve it. And you never know what will come of it. But it's not because you never come of it. Just, just do your best. Um, doesn't matter who's in. Just You should deserve a good show. Just perform whatever. Give it full energy. I'm known for that. No matter what size crowd, I'll always go for it. <laughs> full on, full energy. A lot of actors think, oh, I can't be bothered. And I'll just give it a half, half hour show. I think they deserve it. So whatever, whatever the situation, always always do your best make it and it will make it more fun for you exactly exactly yeah that as well totally totally yeah sometimes some of the best shows can be yeah <laughs> uh, a djing story years ago this is from age um i was booked for a i did a restaurant regular restaurant gig i think once a month a function room not that a meal disco afterwards it was the day of princess di's funeral and i didn't want to do it i thought what a day would Disco. I didn't want to do it at all. Rocked up one of the best nights ever. People had it'd been a funeral, they were quite sad, did lifting up. We went for it. It was just a great gig, absolutely amazing gig. Had a cracking night, went on to the wee hours, had a great time. They want let the let the let the motions out, have a great night, and it just shows no matter what situation, go for it and it will just work out. Right. 
Just go for the ride, guys. <laughs> go for it, exactly. <laughs> Giggity uh, best all time, just go for it. If, if someone's listening in here now, uh, what would you, if they want to find out about you, know, like, Stuart, he's a great DJ. I need him for my party. Stuart is a great magician. I need a trick. Stuart is a great comic. Make me laugh at a show. <laughs> or Stuart, put on a great comedy show for me. Or put on a great event for me. We need to entertain this wedding. You do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you definitely do. And I'll employ you when I do get married. <laughs> How, how, how do they get in contact with you? The best way, because I do so many things, it's kind of really, I guess, by Laughing Chili, why I run the comedy under. So that's kind of my, my main thing. The problem with saying this is I'll get all emails coming in, book me, book me. Don't email about that. <laughs> so I think uh, go to the website, Laughing Chili, 1L, before somebody says it's 2Ls. No, I did the research. Um, chili can be spelt 1L, can be spelt 2Ls. Normally, 1L is US, 2L is UK. I get very passionate about this, 2L is UK, but I did my extensive research and chili can be spelled in the UK with 1L. So laughingchili with 1L.co.uk. That's mainly the comedy stuff, but email via there, and that could be that could be magic, speed quizzing, comedy, massaging, anything at all. I'll, I'll, I'll put it all. <laughs> That's the best way to get hold of me. And the day job, video production, if you want to check out the site, bear in mind it's, it's you know, it's, it's the big stuff, boy. It's the big stuff. That company is DMI Productions, where I'm now, my lovely office here. They're Delta and Mike Indigo, DMI Productions. If you are if you work for Sony Pictures or Paramount Pictures or any of the big boys, give us a line and we can help you. How's that, Mark? Oh. I, I hate selling Mark. I'm not a promoter at all. I hate selling myself. So there you go, Laughing Chili, DMI Productions. They're the two to talk to. <laughs> That's different. I, th- I think they're going to be sold, mate. <laughs> I'm sure they will. <laughs> no. Guys, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have, give it a five-star review on Amazon or iTunes. Subscribe. And also, got some lovely little intros for you. We've got a comedian from the Luxembourg comedy scene talking about he runs a comedy show there. And I think I may have a lady who's in tre- Maureen Younger coming in in February as well, who's entrenched in the acting and comedy scenes. There's so many more things to try out. Yeah, hopefully I see a show that I run, or I'll see you through a window. No, uh, I'm not <laughs> going to say that. No, I'm not going to say that. Ignore that bit. But yeah, that was great, Marv. What, what, what way to end the show? I'll watch you through your window. I hope you've enjoyed the episode, and hopefully I'll see you guys soon. <laughs>